Hello everyone, welcome to Project Kaleidoscope. My name is Megan McNaughton. And I'm Aaron Adams. And today we are going to be talking about music, memory, and emotion. So let's begin with music and emotion. We spend about 40% of our waking time listening to music actively and passively. And this can include like if you're listening to music on an elevator, as mundane as that sounds, or if you're listening to music actively on your playlists, you have your headphones in, you're vibing out. Or even if you just have your laptop on, you're doing some homework, you're listening to some music in the background, that can be considered passive. So it is a very important part of our daily lives. And we can kind of see how music transcends culture and transcends different people. It is kind of a universal language, if you will. It's how history was passed down. It was oral. There were songs and stories that were always passed down. Just take, for example, the Odyssey. That was a long story that people had to memorize and orally tell because it could always be translated, sure, to different languages, but writing it down for the time could have been lost so easily. So it was easier to memorize it and tell people and it would spread much more than it would have if it was just a text. We find music pleasurable and it can activate the same areas in our brain as drugs or alcohol. Take, for example, the times that you've been sad and you listen to music while you're crying or when you're happy and that song comes on, you just can't stop that feeling of dancing. I will call all of us out right now. I'm sure after a breakup, we've all sat in the shower crying and (laughs) blasting some type of sad song. I know you all listen to Billie Eilish. Don't lie to me. Music and motion go really deeply hand in hand. We listen to it when we're sad. We listen to it when we're happy. We even listen to it when we're mad. Mm -hmm. So we typically associate the right hemisphere of the brain being preferentially activated when listening to a song we find emotional or even just imagining that music. It's pretty powerful. It's extremely powerful. Again, music is something that all of us can relate to and all of us have in common. If you think about it, even as early back as being in the womb, we listen to our mother's heartbeat and we listen to the sound of her voice, even your father's voice. So when you come out, that is kind of like your preference of sound. It's something that is really ingrained within us pretty early on. I mean, from the beginning, honestly, to be so deep in with music and to have that connection and be able to form that connection to sound. I want to talk about something that is a concept from Pierre Nora, who was a French historian. He defines almost this similar kind of phenomenon as les lus de mémoire, which is basically just relating to a collective memory, which this can pertain to certain objects, places, or events that carry a certain significance to a certain person or a certain group of people. For a lot of people in certain areas, like a certain place can mean a certain thing for every single person in that group. It can all have a similar collective memory. And music, in the same way, kind of transcends us all because, yeah, we all have this huge collective association to music and emotion and music and memory. But Of course, that is also a very individualist experience. My connections to my music and my memories are different from your correlations to music and memory. Mm -hmm. But of course, if we were together and we were listening to the same song and we created a memory, then the same memory would be associated with that music. But it is a very individual experience. The big question is, is how do we end up getting this association between music and memory? Well, music and memory, it's in the hippocampus along with the frontal cortex. So that plays a large part in determining what we remember. Things like what song was playing when I was going to the mall with my friend Andrew, or that song that would be playing at Correct where everyone would get up off the wall and actually hit the floor. 
it's all one of those things that comes to us when a song is replayed. Even even just saying like, oh, do you remember that one song? And then having to think back about where you were or what you were doing to just try to figure out what song it was is that memory recall. So it's kind of easier to remember music because there are lyrics accompanied to a beat, which makes it easier to retrieve it from our memory. One example of this can be the ABC song, you know, ABCD, because of course, if I were to ask you what's the 12th letter of the alphabet, what's the sixth letter of the alphabet, you're not going to be able to recall that. You're going to have to sing the song, kind of get that beat going and, you know, count. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, I definitely do this when I'm doing my work cited sheet. It's a little embarrassing. But that's how we learn and that's how that memory is associated for me. I also want to kind of talk about how listening to music specifically triggers parts of the brain that evoke emotion. So we have these explicit and implicit memories. Explicit memories kind of pertain to something that happened in the last five minutes per se. Something that is really on your conscious mind. But implicit memories, they're stored in the unconscious and they can be accessed through the conscious mind and they end up lasting longer than explicit memories because they are mainly attached to a certain emotion. So when we're talking about music and memory, we're accessing implicit memory. That link between that emotion and that song, that is what invokes that feeling within you. So if we're talking about, again, like something about co-rec and a certain song that got certain people off the wall, that invokes that certain memory of like happiness and excitement. If we're talking about a breakup, Certain songs that you listen to can invoke that sort of feeling and that memory and being in that place for you. Yeah, for me, like, breakup would be associated in middle school with My Chemical Romance. My Chemical Romance. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry to break your chain of thought. But, (laughs) I mean, each one of these memories, you can associate maybe an album, a song, or lyrics to, and it either makes you feel better or even just kind of numbs the pain. Which is something really important to talk about because music can be used as a certain form of therapy. Mm-hmm. Music has this really therapeutic kind of energy to it where if you listen to something, of course, if you're sad and you listen to a happy song as much as you probably don't want to, you will gain some sort of happiness from that because again, it simulates the side of your brain that will help give you this emotion and kind of release these endorphins that make you happier. And the inverse would be if you keep listening to a sad song, you're going to continuously associate a sad song with a sad emotion, perpetuating the intensity of that sad emotion. Simp music, for example. We're all simping, it's fine. But that kind of culture where we're all sad, we're all listening to music in our bed, and it's probably Drake. You all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) That, again, it kind of reinforces the idea of being sad. So music as therapy can help. It's actually really helped people who have clinical depression, and it's also helped people who have multiple seizures. It's really interesting, actually, how people can implement music into therapy to make that a little bit better. And even with dementia patients, helping people regain that memory through song, if they can play certain songs from like a billboard list from a certain year and see what ties emotional links to memories, they can really try to reinforce memory that way, which is another just really interesting way that modern science has implemented art into science. So something that's important to me is the friends who have shown me music. Just to name a few would be like Nate, Conrad, Stephen, and Andrew. And all the music they have shown me has at some point gotten me through something in my life, whether it was good or bad. And I thank them for that. It's important to have friends who show you new music. It's incredibly important to have friends who show you new music because, of course, we all have our certain biases. Mm-hmm. I love every type of music except for heavy metal and screaming. So I'm not necessarily biased. I'll even listen to country music. But... 
of course, there are some new artists that maybe I'm not too sure about or, you know, a new song I'm not too sure about or never even heard of. But a friend who can reach out to me and say, hey, I think you would really like this or hey, this reminded me of you. That also in itself, that act invokes a certain kind of happy emotion because it's, oh, you thought of me. Having friends to show you new music is incredibly important, not only to invoke those certain kinds of emotions, but also give you more of a range and make you more well-rounded in your music taste. I know too many people who only listen exclusively to one genre, and that's okay. To understand more and to get more of a worldview, it's really important to listen to all different kinds of music and even range that through different languages. I have to say, like, the music that my friends have shown me have brought up many good emotions, too, because I'll be driving in the car and it'll trigger a memory about a time we had when we were listening to this, and... Uh, it it brings me back and it's almost like a little time capsule where you open up that song and the other memories that are associated with it are flooding back. Something as simple as, you know, listening to The Rain Is Gone can really brighten your day or put you in a different mindset. So therapy when it comes to music is pretty important because you can shape how you're thinking by just playing a song and if you like it, you're gonna forget about other things that are happening. You kind of, it pulls you in and it just gives you a different window to stare through. Tunes out the rest of the world while you can inflect inwards. It's it's really beautiful, really, how music has this kind of way of healing, healing you. Yeah, art as healing. I know we don't talk about art as healing as much in the U.S. as they do in other countries, specifically like Latin American countries and Europe, which is really Mm -hmm. sad because I think that art has a way of healing people that maybe people who decide to go on medications, you know, there's several ways of healing in the healing process that can be explored. But we put such a damper and we kind of suppress artists and we kind of make it seem like it's no good or like, why don't you do something better? You can't pay for your life like this. You won't make a career out of it. Yeah, exactly. We kind of perpetuate this culture where art is almost like being an artist or doing art is kind of frowned upon. And I feel like that goes into so much about why we don't kind of put this whole big pedestal on why music or poetry even can be seen as this big healing mechanism. Because every time I've gone through something in my life, I always knew I can turn down my shades, I can turn up my music and just let it all fade away. I think people like to imagine art and music is more of a hobby than a career for most. And that kind of downplay of it is kind of just one of those things that people don't acknowledge a lot unless, you know, you're trying to be an artist. Like struggling artists and like they say starved starved college students, struggling artists, these the, terms. The dying artists. They, they use these starved terms. Artists. Yeah, to basically put a picture in your head that art is not really like viable as a way of life. Exactly. And kind of to go off that more, art as therapy has actually been proven very effective. So especially during a time right now, like COVID-19, we're all in quarantine. I hope you guys are all cooped up, only going outside when necessary. I hope. But, you know, even as we are all cooped up and we're all taking part in something and we're doing what we need to do, that can be really, really harsh on our mental health. Mm-hmm. That can really put a damper on things. It can maybe take us back to a place that we don't want to go to. Maybe if you're already kind of struggling with depression, it can make that a little bit harder. What we have found as a pretty effective way as boosting our moods and kind of working through this is just listening to music. So pick up a pencil, draw 
write, blast your favorite song, we recommend it highly. We recommend it highly. Music as therapy is extremely important. Maybe ask your friends to recommend you some songs. We definitely have some recommendations for you that we'll say in just a little bit. But music as therapy, it's so simple. You can be in your room. You can be anywhere. You can just lay down, relax, listen, and let the emotions flood over you. So before we leave, and we know this is going to be a shorter podcast, we just wanted to give you three artists that we think deserve a little bit more spotlight and, you know, maybe you would give a listen to. You may know them, you may not, and that's the point. And they will also help improve your mood, especially during this really tough time. So I want to start off by talking about Emotional Oranges. They were formed in 2017 in Los Angeles, so they are, if you are local to LA, an LA band, if you will. They are an R&B group. It is a male and female duo. Not much is known about the actual artists behind Emotional Oranges, which is really interesting. There's this big anonymity to it all, and it makes it kind of mysterious and beautiful. But I will say one thing that is known is that one of the artists is actually the vocal coach for Adele, which is really cool. (laughs) And... They're great. If you like R&B, I definitely recommend. Even if you don't like R&B, but you kind of like poppy kind of sound, definitely look into them. If you like the internet, I definitely recommend looking into them. If you also like Alina Baraz or even kind of like Anderson Pack, I also recommend looking into them. The sounds are kind of a little bit similar. It does have more of an upbeat kind of R&B feel to it, but it's still very relaxed. Very West Coast. Very West Coast. They have two albums that you guys can take a look through, but some songs that we would specifically recommend that you guys listen to are West Coast Love, Motion, and Just Like You. So an artist you may or may not have heard of is Apollo Brown. When I first heard of him, it was through a lot of his instrumentals, and those were introduced to me by friends. He is a hip-hop producer who was born in Michigan, and... He went from making beats in his bedroom to eventually making a name for himself. So the albums that he came on the scene with are his 2007 Skill Trade and in 2009 Make Do. He often pairs with other artists who provide lyrics for his tracks and I recommend a lot of his songs but the ones I want to highlight are Know the Time, Prove Me Wrong, and Hustle Don't Give featuring Black Thought. He currently has a discography of 25 projects and I think there is always going to be a song that you can find in his work that is pretty powerful. Definitely will be able to find something suited for yourself. Finally, last but not least, another band that we want to highlight is Somersault, and they are based in Austin, Texas, and it's actually comprised of four members, but predominantly the two members that started the band in high school, Matthew Terry and Eugene Chung. And then later on, they were joined by Anthony Barnett and Elliot Edmonds. And their sound is kind of comprised of like this 1960s pop, bossa nova, and jazz. It's kind of been said that they their sound is kind of reminiscent of the Beach Boys, which I absolutely agree with. This is definitely the type of music that you want to listen to on the beach. Maybe if you're watching the sunset, definitely gives you kind of like an island vibe. Definitely makes you feel like you are in summer. So some songs that I recommend are Sweet to Me, One Last Time, and actually their new single that just came out, called Get On Back To You. So of course, these are just three different artists that we think that you guys should take a listen to. We are not the final boss in this, but we do hope you guys take a listen and we hope you guys are staying well during this time and definitely taking care of your mental health because that's extremely important. We could recommend more and we definitely plan on talking about this again. We're always looking for new music and if you have artists that you want to share, feel free to. We would love to listen to them. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Project Kaleidoscope. We will be coming to you soon with another episode. Thank you.